But we bring on Sean Merriman now, and this weekend, Sean is a one of the owners of Lights Out Extreme Fighting, and they have a massive card coming up this weekend. Wow. The main event, Morales versus Tolliver. If you guys like UFC, MMA fighting, it's not UFC, it's... In the same vein, though, it's mixed martial arts to the extreme. Lights out, extreme fighting. You can buy the pay-per-view event. It's on Fubo Sports Live. Morales versus Tolliver should be a big one. Two heavyweight guys. Not heavyweight fighters, but guys that throw heavy punches and should be fun. And with that, let's welcome in Sean Merriman, Mr. Lights Out himself. Yeah. Doing, there he is. What's up, fellas? One of the great all-time sack dances ever. Where would you rate yours? Are you saying yours is the best of all time? I think so, man. I, you know, I'm looking at, uh, you know, it's always an uncomfortable question because I hate for one talking about myself. You know, if you, somebody else said, I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to the sack dances, man, mine, I think at the time was, was so original, right? Like we, there was no one else doing something like that. And nowadays when you see a bunch of these guys, they're like doing whatever the latest dance is, right? Like they're, they're all doing the same thing. So um, I used to love Jared Islands, DeMar uh, DeMarcus Ware. Uh, Joey Joey Porter's kick I used to I used to like that, a whole lot, man. So um, you know you had, you had some guys out there who had some pretty good sack dances. Sean, my favorite when I was a kid, and I'm older than you, was Mark Gastineau with the Jets back in the day, like the New York yeah. Sack Exchange. That was, and I hated the Jets when I was a kid. I grew up in New York, not a Jets fan. I hated them, but I loved the Mark Gastineau sack dance. Did you like that one? Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, you look, I think he was. I think his was rated. They did the on ESPN. They did something where they rated the top ten or top fifteen. His was like one, mine was two or three or something like that. I'm always going to be one in every category, right? That's just like the competitive edge I have. He was. He was one of the ones. He was the one that made it cool, right? Like yeah. uh, as a defensive player, like he made it cool and kind of set the tone for everybody else. You know, Sean, I used to be a defensive end. It don't look like it no more. Like, I got the 3-4 defensive end body. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm a, I, got the, I got the two gap. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, like I'm just holding people up, telling the backers to get home. Uh, but this is – you made a cameo. Um, how the heck did you get into the, the, the Kanye West, Carrie Hilson, Neo knocks you down video? Like, how did, like, how did that just pop up? So uh, my boy Chris Robinson, you know the big, big, big time director. He's from um, from Baltimore, and I'm from Maryland. And uh, they had this party coming up, and so I guess he was talking to Kanye and and talking to everybody there. And it's like, hey, you know Sean Merriman, I think this would be a good part. And so it was really Kanye and everybody, and Chris Robinson, who called me and asked me to come and do that part. So that I didn't, you know, wasn't I didn't expect it. I just got a call from Chris out the blue. I'm like. Kanye, Kerry, Hilson, Neo, yeah. Well, where y'all at? Where, where do I go? You had me at Kanye. Yeah, well, sign me up. Sean, hey, oh, go ahead, Tyvis. Sean, you had a season. I think it was in your first season. You had ten sacks, and then the next season, I think you dug back with seventeen sacks. What was the difference in your off season that helped you get to those extra seven sacks? Man, to be honest, um, it, I was around like Ray Lewis, LeVar Arrington, around a lot of those guys. So they kind of was telling me because of, of the rookie season I had, he said, man, dude, they're going to be gunning for you just to so just know. And so I changed my mentality from playing against offensive sets to playing against coordinators, right? What people going to come out and do with me, slide protection, chips off the edge, tight bunch sets, sets to keep me off from the line of scrimmage and getting in my pass rush. So I was prepared for that season. So every time I started to see – a guy going motion, I'm like, oh, you know, they come to crack block me. Like, my, my mind was always going that somebody's going to stop me from going, getting to the quarterback. So, my, my mentality was just second, was different 
Uh, and also, man, I picked up MMA. I started training MMA during that all season to work on my hands and endurance. And uh, I just, I felt better. Are you going to fight on any of your cards? You look like you can still get in there and knock heads. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, look, I, I, I like to train with the guys. Um, and, you know, our main event we got coming up right there with Musa and, and uh, Albert, who had a short stand in the UFC. I've trained with both of these guys. I sparred with them. and we, We've been in the gym. That's the far as it go for me, man. Like, I think a lot of people get in here. And I, I like to stay in shape because I still like to compete. It keeps me young, keeps me disciplined, give me something to wake up in the morning for. And I, I like being around those guys because it's, like, uh, it's like being in the locker room again. You know, you hear the back and forth trash talking. These guys are ready to scrap. So I, I like being around it. But as far as competing, man, I'm, I'm running the show behind the scenes. So it, yeah. it's hard to do both. Sean, if, if uh, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt got in the ring, uh, who, who are you putting your money on? Ooh. Mm. I, I put Miles, man. I put Miles. Miles is a freak of nature, you know, and I've seen him boxing during the offseason before. And I told him, I said, hey, I know you made a lot of money, but you can make some more money when you're done somewhere else. Just, I'm just saying. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's an athletic freak. I haven't seen J.J. Watt, he's, even though he's an athletic freak, man. But I tell you, sometimes those muscles and, and all that don't help you in that cage, man. That You know, when you put those gloves on to get in there and they lock that cage, those muscles can't help you. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You're a Maryland guy. Dequell Jackson was a regular on our show before he big-timed us and took a job with the Browns. <laughs> what if you and Dequell get in a cage at the same time? Who's coming out alive? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> no, that's me, man. I'm, I'm picking myself up. Dequell, <laughs> <laughs> my boy, man, we talk, we talk every other week. Uh, we, we own a group text, and, and we still clown each other. But, you know, it's funny because I tell people how great Dequell was in the team at that time. The Browns just didn't do well. But the quail, if he would, I thought if he got more attention, people need to understand that he was one of the best who did it. Numbers wise, look at his play. I played with the man, so I know what he what he did in college. But I wish he got more notoriety in the league because the quail was a baller. He was. He's the best Browns linebacker in probably thirty years. I mean, yeah. we recognized him here, but the as you said, the Browns had so little talent around them that it it didn't stand out nationally. Yeah, and I, you know, when I when I left school early, I came back and I drove my new cars and stuff up on campus, and you know, uh, you know, and Quell and everybody kind of got in the car with me. I said, "Dude, you know, you up next." Um, and so it was cool for them because I was a I was a younger one and just ended up leaving early, and then going back and then seeing the Quell's career. And you're right, man. If they had a better team around him, you know, the Quell go down as one of the all time greats, and I think he still is. But he would have got the notoriety that, that he ultimately deserved. You know, you talked about um, you talk about Miles Garrett. Um, you know, what way does Miles Garrett's? You know, um, I, I'll give you a matter of fact. I'm gonna switch my question right here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give you a couple of names, and can you give me what makes these pass rushers great in your opinion? Um, Michael Parsons, T.J. Watt, and Miles Garrett. What makes those guys great? Well, you know, start with Michael Parsons, man, to be honest. Um, and, and I hate making these comparisons. I remember an article coming out comparing me to Junior Seau. I had a big rookie year. And I'm like, dude, listen, Junior was on a whole nother planet. So I don't want those comparisons. But I think that we can start comparing at some point. I'm not saying right now, but at some point, compare Michael, Michael Parsons to Lawrence Taylor. You know, you're talking about somebody with the same explosion, speed, tenacity. And these guys aren't looking to go make a tackle. They're looking to blowing everything up. These guys can take over games. Miles Garrett, I think his physical attributes is something we haven't seen. His leverage, he has a long arm stab move. Uh, he's still so strong, man. And that one play when he was lining up over the center, kind of basketball dribbling, and go, he's 
it's a game. It's, it's, he's, he's playing with guys, man. That's that's when you know you just in a whole different um, plat, platform to any one of these guys because you're able in the mid game. You you got to be focused. He's out there toying with guys because his physical attributes is bigger than anyone else. And T.J. Watt, man, he is um he's ferocious because he can he can beat you with speed, but he has this unique power because he's still a tall guy to bend and lean and come back under, man, and, and split double teams. Obviously, we just talked about. Um, you know, being able to know what offensive coordinator is going to do to you. I mean, he's been chipped and double teamed a lot this year. Watch T.J. Watt and how he split these chips when these running backs come and hit him off the edge of the line of scrimmage. Um, so, you know, he's a, he has that combination because he's still a tall guy to bend and be nimble enough to come up under and make these, make these big plays happen. Mikey. Yeah, Sean, so I just texted to Quell and told him we had you on. And he goes, ha-ha, that's my guy. Lights out. What a great dude. You guys will be stupid not to ask him how he got the nickname Lights Out. It's a legendary story around the DMV. So from DeQuell Jackson's text to my mouth to your answer, how did the nickname Lights Out come to be? So I I, uh, I knocked out four guys my sophomore year in high school. Um, and, and, and so I, 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 His sophomore so year. My sophomore year in high school, yeah. And so I had 20 students come run up to me after the game and said, uh, man, you knocked those guys' lights out. And I said, you know what? Call, yeah, call me lights out. I didn't think it was going to stick. I just threw it out there. Next thing you know, Monday morning in the school, this is pre-social media now, yeah. everybody's called me lights for lights out. And I went home. I begged my mom to let me get this lights out tattoo on my arm. <laughs> she, she kicked me out the room every day for two weeks, told me to get out, right? So finally, let me get the lights out tattoo. But the fun, the fun story is, I'll tell you this, when I got up there on campus, you know, Quell's a Florida boy, right? And I'm from the city. I'm from Maryland, Washington, D.C. Quell ain't want a roommate with me because he <laughs> thought that he, he thought I was too city for him. So Quell was like, uh, I'm not I'm not staying with you. He went with another country boy, our boy, our boy Will Kershaw from uh, North Carolina. Um, but man, Quell, let me tell you, man, he, he, he has the best stories because I, I was lights out walking into the building and uh, I was I was running my mouth and challenging people to fights and practice. It was it was nonstop with me, man. And uh, we 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 had we had such a, a such a tight knit group. And honestly, man, if we were a little bit better at the time on offense, we would have won a national championship. If you look at that defense with me, DeQuell Jackson, EJ Henderson, Leon Joe, uh, Randy Starks, Dominique Foxworth, Dang. you can go through that whole roster, man. We were loaded on the defense side of the ball. Wait, what year was this? What year in This was 02, 02 to 04. And this is before NIL too. Uh, I'm, I'm, don't let me find out since y'all was getting some money back there. That defense was, was the year. The that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well they they wouldn't yeah. beat they wouldn't beat the Buckeyes. But uh, anyway, yeah. well I have Buckeyes. <laughs> I mean, no, I have Buckeyes. They play this week. Yeah, they do. No, no, they no, do no. play this week. No, yeah, I'm, I'm and I'm calling my turfs. I'm telling you right now, the turfs. Yes, Shy. I, I came on. I saw that shirt. Shire. I saw that shirt when I came on. And I say this especially for you. Shire. The Terps right now are five and zero. Terps are five and zero. this is cute. This is really cute that you think. Yeah. That, that, that's... It, it, it's cute now, but it's about to get ugly. Watch, okay. watch how. Wow. In in Ohio at Ohio State, Maryland's go in. Absolutely, we coming in there and taking the dub. I'm telling you, right, look. I know everybody talk about the biggest, the biggest talk in college football. We know Coach Prime. Nobody's talking about Maryland. Nobody's talking about Maryland and the, and the most explosive college team and uh, most explosive offense in college football. And no one's talking about it. And they about to. I'm not even gonna call it upset because we're supposed to win. 
Tua's, Tua's little brother tore the Buckeyes defense up last year. That's mm. a fact. You can't even you can't Tyvis. Mm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who won that game? They won the game, oh, but, okay. but but he tore the Buckeyes just, defense I, to pieces. All that matters who is won the, the who won the yeah, the bull. <laughs> bull. What are we talking yeah. about here? What are we talking about? Game, about? I think it's going to be well, fire. I agree. I think it should definitely be a competitive I, game. I, and I, I like actually think I'm interested now. I think it's 18 and a half. But I think, 18 and a half? I think it's disrespectful think it's that y'all not in the top 25. I will say that. But come on, man. You know. It, it. Yeah, you know, look, numbers are numbers. And I'm telling you right now, that offense is going to go in there and march the ball right down the field. Now, I'll say this. We, we might have a little trouble in the trenches. Y'all y'all got a big offense line. Y'all got some, mm-hmm. some hogs up, some big dogs up front on that defense line. Skill position, y'all can't hang with us, and I'm, it's not going to happen. We're going to scorch y'all on offense. It's going to be, it's going to come, it's going to come down. Wait, 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 wait. Skill, what, what are you talking about? Skill, Marvin position. Harrison Jr. is pretty good. What are you talking about? You're talking about one player. Maryland has three, we three, have, skip, three guys. So, so Emeka Abuka is not the second best receiver in college football because we, we, we got we got one and two. You know that, right? I don't know how much time, but I'm about to Google these these numbers that yeah. Maryland puts up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the two. Hey, Sean, Sean the, what do you want me to look up? I will do your research. The two leading receivers you, from last year is the Buckeyes. In the in the Big Ten, that Period. doesn't make them Period. best necessarily. Coming back to returning, yeah. they are the best. We're talking about what well, that that alone <laughs> doesn't prove they're the best. Okay, y'all, no, y'all no, this is cute. This is really cute. Oh my gosh. No, this is, be careful. This you know, is hilarious. Whenever, whenever somebody look, whenever somebody had to go to one or two players on their whole team, you know it's a bad you know it's a bad time. <laughs> they got you know a bad you, I, the thing is Are outside, we Ohio State's quarterbacks are stiff. Is that what we're wait saying? Wait a minute. Outside of Talia, we don't know anybody else on the terms. Oh, Hemby. That run that running backs they got back there, they're crushing. Right okay. now they the problem uh, Ohio Ohio State has six of them, so they have six running yeah, backs. I mean, and every last one of them oh. come in and get 100 Tyvis, yards. For the uh, record, as a matter of fact, I think Dallin Hayden had 100 okay, yards on y'all. He's like the fifth string running back. I, I, I got to get Sean's back here. The leading receiver in the Big Ten last year wasn't on Ohio State. Ooh, who was it? Maryland. It wasn't Maryland either. Oh, oh okay. Purdue. Charlie Jones. Oh, uh, dangerous out. Charlie Jones. Uh, he, he does have a touchdown in the NFL this year. David Bell was going back and forth from the Browns <laughs> to the Purdue. Hey, Sean, I want to get to something else. I, I'm curious your take on Deshaun Watson, right? He, he misses almost two full years. He comes back the final six games last year. He, he plays terribly. First two games this year, he struggled. And then he played a great game against Tennessee, and then he's hurt. Uh, this guy in Houston looked like he was on his way to being one of the elite quarterbacks, maybe even a Hall of Fame quarterback. Outside of this one game against Tennessee, we haven't seen it here. Are you expecting to see that guy again? Do you think he's been mentally screwed up by everything that, that's happened? Like, what do you make of him and his game going forward? You, you know, for one, you know, his, his shoulder was banged up, right? And I, and I thought it was a smart decision by them not playing him. And it's the same thing I, when you talk about, like, Joe Burrow with that calf. I, I just don't understand why you let your franchise quarterback, if they're not 100% or close to it, go out there and risk further damage. Yep. Um, he's going to – you know, they signed him to a big deal. He's going to be there for a long time. They, they got to pay him. Send him out. You know, he, he went out there. He's been through a bunch of injuries already. This, this, he's played through a lot. He's tore his knee up in college before he's had – he's been banged up. So he understands the difference between hurt and injured, right? So I, I thought it was smart to pull him out. But on the flip side – 
it's such a team game, man. Like losing Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb going down was a big hit for them. They're getting honestly, man, on that offense and offensive and defensive line, they they they're getting bullied, you know, in certain certain uh, uh, positions. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to get his yards. You're not going to shut Lamar Jackson down. He's going to beat you or beat it with, with his arm or legs at some point in time. He's going to get his plays. But if you go back and watch that game, man, you, you see some guys getting bullied a little bit on the offense and defensive line. They they have guys that can pass rush. They got guys that can get out the quarterback. The problem is they're not putting up points on offense. So how, how is uh, Miles Garrett and these guys who can get out to the quarterback going to be in a pass rush situation if they're not putting up points on offense? That's the biggest problem, man. Like, when you built a team and you have a team in, uh, in Schwartz over there who's a very aggressive defensive coordinator, he's been aggressive his whole entire career. Every time he's coached anywhere, he knows how to get after the quarterback. But why would anybody throw if they're playing from behind? And so that's the that's the biggest thing what I'm saying. But Deshaun, man, he, he has he has to play better or else they, that, that team is just not going to go anywhere. Sean, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. Appreciate you. Hey, where can we watch no the turf. fights? Where can yeah. we get the fights if we want to watch them? On Fubo, Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. We're we're live at six p.m. Saturday, six p.m. Saturday uh, uh, Pacific on Fubo Sports. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate Sean, it, John. Thanks, nice. man. Go Bucks, right, Go Bucks. All right. Go Terps. Bring- <laughs> we got to bring Sean back if if, if Maryland, Maryland wins. Win. Maryland Come on, Monday. Not going to win the game. <laughs> Listen, Maryland win. I might be in that studio because I ain't stop talking. <laughs> Sean, anytime you want, there's an extra chair in here. Uh, uh, in I'm calling off. Anytime you want. Thanks, Sean. Great we job, Sean. You got to be careful, Tyvis, because Tyvis, you are very sensitive. I know it's talk. a big spread, but it it does. Damn. This game worries me. That's, it worries me. That's cute. All right. Uh, you're cute. you're worried. I am. I'm concerned. I don't know. About, I just I just remember how yeah. the game was. They moved listen. it on Ohio State last year at ease. They barely won that game, Ohio State. The le- listen, what's going to happen is they're going to come out. Maryland's going to come out and hit them right in the mouth. Boom. They're going to yep. go up. 40, See, that's the problem. They're going to go up 14 points game. like that. Wow. We're going to be like, oh, my God. And you know what's going to happen? Second and a half, they're going to make checks and adjustments. Ohio State's going to boom, 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 boom. Okay. It'll be a 14-point game. We'll win. First of all, two all things. Right. Number one, points. there's too much texting going on. Too much texting going on right now. Oh, no, no. I wasn't even texting. Too much texting. Here, here's what I was too doing. Too much. It's distracting. Here, here's, Steve here, Becker, stop texting the panelists stop, during it's the too show. Much. Here's, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Well, speaking of phones, since we own it, I just want everybody yeah. to know, Steve, let me get that. Me, oh, here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Let me see something right here. So, so, on Sunday, around, I'd say around 4 o'clock, you know, I'm looking at my fantasy. As you know, the, the UCSS we have. Fantasy, and I just so happen to be going against the Crawfords. You know, Jay and his son. We Corey. prefer the Yacht Boys. Whatever. We're, By the way, Jay gets no credit. Corey did all the work. The Crawfords. <laughs> Corey okay, so I'm looking at my my thing, and I'm like, dang, man, I'm about to lose to to the Crawfords, right? Said I almost had him, no, you know. And Jay says, had. <laughs> okay, so okay, let him play out. I got a couple of players still going. You know, he got some players that still going. Comes down to Monday Night Football. I have Geno Smith and Darren Waller. They have Tyler Lockett. So at this point, they were winning by 0.24. So I'm thinking to myself, as long as Geno throws the ball to Tyler Lockett. Yeah, when Geno came out with injury, I know you got nervous. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but I'm like, and Darren Waller no showed. Yeah. Yeah, but, the end, he caught make, a couple of garbage. Make make a long the story. worst part about it is, had I started Baker Mayfield. Over who? Patrick over Mahomes? Over Patrick Mahomes. Who would have oh, did that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who of course did it's that? ridiculous. Yeah. But I would have won. 
Don't nobody care about that. Give me the give me the G- one G- shot. G- Bush is four no, and first place. Nobody who care about that. Who who nobody first, care about that. Who in first place? <laughs> the G- Bush, the Kool Aid Mafia. G Bush, let me ask you a question. Is that the name of your team? Yeah, no, G- I should. He should make it the Kool Aid Mafia. Who was in first place in early October last year? You were me. Were you? And who won the championship? You. This guy. That's right. But this year, Bull is pulling year? a Bengals. He's one and three. Yeah, you Ooh, I was one and I think I was one and three last year. Also. Were you really? I was definitely yeah, one Bull, and two. Bull started slow last year. <laughs> I don't love your team. I checked out your roster for the first time well, last night. I don't <laughs> love your team. Well, <laughs> I got Daniel Jones so crazy. Disaster. disaster. And Javante Williams. He got decked 10 times last night. Who? Daniel Jones. It was bad. That's who your quarterback Ten is? Well, I got two quarterbacks. Sacks. Uh, I don't actually don't Bobby like. Bobby Wagner had 18 tackles and two sacks. He's in his I actually, 12th season. I actually don't like my team either in this league. I got to uh, But I'll still find a way to get to the playoffs. Let me that's what it. I do. Let that's all, but that's I should, all that matters. If I win a championship again this year, you guys should be embarrassed because my team is not that good. I didn't have a great draft. Yeah, no, you only, I, I'll, I'll you only really draft. got like. Two, three, three, maybe three guys. I'll there. figure it out. I always well, know. didn't you get Nakua? Who got him after no, the G Bush Nakua. has Nakua? Oh, G Bush got him. Guys, we got one more thing before Sam Monson joins us. I do have to yeah. remind you guys before we I get to you. it, though, if you guys need some comfy, casual, <laughs> athletic know. clothing for the upcoming fall and winter season, nice. make sure you head over to Bird Dogs. Check them out at birddogs.com. They work in any situation for any occasion. Mm. Check them out at birddogs.com. One, you, one other thing, Mike, I wanted to say while we were having this conversation before. My beef with college football is that we're talking like we're supposed to be excited about a game that's a 20-point spread. 18 and a half. That, like in the that, NFL. It's not 20. It's 18 and a in half. In the NFL, you don't even have a spread oh. that big. Well, there's How only 32 teams. I know. So the talent dispersion it's is just, it's it, just. That's why I hate. That's they're why two I, I totally hate different football, sports. But they're two totally different they are. sports. They're, I just. The college football does nothing for me. It, it, I love it. So, there's so many nothing games. I yeah, but LSU was a big favorite, and they got popped. It happens. I, like yeah. it. I hear you, but. It happens. Not often. I do no, want to ask you guys a question, right. though. It happened last night on Monday Night Football in New York. It's happened all three home games here in Cleveland. At some point or another throughout each of the home games, the home, uh, home fans have booed the Browns. Yeah. Do you guys have any issue with that? Wait, say that one. Who booed no, the Browns? No the, home, the, the, the Browns have been booed in all three home games. At this one, year? At, at, yes, at some point in the games. Mm. I mean, it wasn't crazy. It wasn't nuts, but they were there. But that's, you know I what? I mean, the last That's game, what happens in the NFL. The last game, I get the booing. Like, it was bad. But why? I don't know about why that. they get booed in the Titans game. Why did they get booed in the? It was early, Bengals I think. Game. Really early. It was very early when they didn't they get three and out. The maybe. Ball I think they had the a, first like three drives. And yeah. I think Elijah yeah, Moore got ripped. How much booing was there? It was. It was. Minimal. I did. I'm at the stadium, stadium and I don't hear the booze. Like, it's like some of the natives were Listen, a little restless. The Browns have been an absolute dumpster fire for three decades. Yeah. I can't blame fans for booing. No, I never do. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not what I do. I don't. I go to support the team. I'm not going to boo them, but I. I understand why fans would. Fans have every right to boo. I'm not a booer either, but yeah. I, I, I never understood booing your own team. I, I do. Unless <laughs> no, I do too. Unless you feel like they're not giving effort. Did that's, you like what? 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 what but that's were you ever booed it. as a player? <laughs> that's cute. That's cute. Of course, you played at Ohio State. <laughs> no, we I, got, I tell you what, we got our offense got booed by in 2015 because they were not great. By I, the way, the only thing worse than boo- the, the worst is when a player complains about booing. Yeah, you can't Shut hear the hell that up. stuff. Yeah, and Play better. You, oh, you just give them more ammo. Yeah, I don't care. I, about that. No, I, I'm going to say this. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the defense was getting booed. I think the offense was getting booed. Well, that's it's, right. it's always 100%. the offense. Yeah, that gets it's, it's, it's. I just, man, I just don't like offense. I just don't like it. 
No. I oh, well, they are ranked 30th. So. It, I just don't. It's just, I don't know what they do. It's just blah. It's just, man, it's just it's sometimes. A, it's uh, at the bye week, you know. You, you, I thought we'd be more happy, but it, yeah. it's just. Well, it's, to, it, to be 500, to be, you, yeah, you still you got everything. The but, yeah. but what I'd sucks say, is we're only a game ahead of the Bengals, and look how the Bengals have played. It's, it's and they're going oh, to play better. Let's, they let's will figure it out. Like, we're gonna I play love better. how when I bring up all these other things, Jay's like, I don't care about other teams. I don't care. And every time I, we talk about the Browns, <laughs> it could be the Bengals. <laughs> I'm trying to make ourselves feel better. We could be worse. Well, you could say the Giants. You could say the Panthers. We relate to the Bengals, not the Giants or the Panthers. Yeah, the Bengals are miserable right now, but how about the Broncos? The one thing I res- <laughs> the one thing I agree is one of the Bengals offensive linemen, Alex Kappa, was asked oh, about booing in Cincinnati. Yeah, and he said we deserve to get booed. Yeah, that's the, and that's absolutely the right answer. That's what Leroy said. I boo me too. Yeah. yeah, that's the right answer. The you know, and listen, the Browns shouldn't have been booed in the Tennessee game. I think that was pretty. Yeah. I don't think they should have been booed Premature. in the Cincinnati game. Uh, they won by 24. That's what I'm yeah. saying. They, and it's I opening mean, day. Why would you like, boo it? I, I don't, you want to boo the offense for this past game? Okay. They were they were they, awful. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you expected from a guy who's a fifth-round rookie, but. You got t- your, your two key back positions got backups. Your running back and your quarterback is backup. Then your your right tackle is you know already though? gone. Your, your backup right tackle went out. Your Somebody else got hurt, too. The center I, went out. It's like, I, what y'all expect? Titus, I don't want to hear about any of those injuries. It's That's, the truth. Outside of the quarterback. It's the truth. It, no, Ravens had eight The guys Ravens had eight play. starters out. So what? They had time to actually build chemistry to know that Come they wasn't going to be there. At least they you had a week You know better than practice. everybody else. It's that the NFL you know, is not the NFL is not the place, especially when it comes to offensive line. That I'm gonna just plug somebody in and think that everything. A- actually, smooth. be truthful, Dewan Jones is better than Coughlin. Okay, what about the center position that went down? I what think, about when Dewan Jones went out? I think Ethan Poachers and Harris is a wash. You think they're the same? I think they're a wash. The only problem on the line is left tackle. Come on, and I think Jed Wills. God rest, bless who was, his blessing. Who my came God in? Rest, God rest his soul. Yeah, what happened to him? Who came to, in for uh, Dewan Jones when he went down? For, I think he James Hudson for, did a very, very, very subpar job on Sunday. When guys, wow. We can't do this. Unless it's the quarterback, which is an extreme situation. <laughs> every team has injuries. You're right. Uh, every team. Yeah. But we don't pay attention to the Dewan Jones of the world on other teams that so, get injured. And, here, and here's my thing. I watched Zach Wilson, except for the, like, want to play. Yeah. Zach Wilson and the Jets played really good. Against that was his best. I think his best game is a pro. And, and, and when, when, my, when the quarterback's out, and I'm forced did you see Salah? He did not concede that game. He didn't sit there with a sheet over his face and look around. He, like, look, they were ready to play. They were, he was passionate, and they and they got. What you guys think of that? Most out of that game. Call. What does that the have Jets to do haven't with done this? squat. Yeah, what what did you guys think of the defensive holding call, though? Oh, that uh, was atrocious. That was that was. It, it, that it was egregious. It was I mean, egregious. I, you, you hate to say that anything. You know, they just decided, decided the game. Yeah, but in that, in that situation, they just decided the Chiefs was going to win. <laughs> that's what it felt like. That, that's that just, was egregious. That was that was horrible. I was looking at them. Now hold on. Remember, horrible. I haven't seen a bad call against the Chiefs in a very long time. Oh come on! Every team thinks they're they're. Every fan base thinks their team. Well, when you win by. too, you get the benefit of the doubt. Yes, you do. I don't you care what anybody that. says. Yeah, I mean, last the week, Greg they, last week, the whole conversation in New York was that Robert Salas lost the team. Now you're talking about him like something. They were saying that. Oh, yes, hey, hey, I thought players were pissed, supposedly pissed that he was still playing Zach Wilson. They played hard. 
Yeah, they did. They <laughs> that's how I that's how I know if they love their coach. Taylor Swift you, doesn't even know anything about football, but she was watching, going, "Come on, guys, this is the like, Jets." I pulled Are up. You saying the Browns didn't play hard this past week. Um, I'm saying after it was 14 to three, the defense knew it was a wrap. So you say they gave up? I didn't say they gave up. Okay, I just said they knew what it was. It's a difference between giving up and know what it was, Tyvis. Like they knew what it was. <laughs> It's it ain't game. nothing we can do. We can't do about it. it. I'm we still going to play, but yeah, we knew what it was. He's not going to win that I'll game. Tell you what, Patrick you, Mahomes played his as bad a game as he can play. They still found sure. the way to win. That's, they that, still found the way to win. They, 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 got, they got help from the referees. Oh, God. They did. Man, it was a that bad pick call. happened. Uh, the game Zach goal. Wilson was cooking. And at did, that you point. See the, did you see the hold? Boy, was cooking. when when when. When Patrick Mahomes ran for a thousand yards, I mean, he undressed that man in middle third of and twenty-two. The, uh, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are unbelievable. They undressed that. Man. If, if we looked at it close enough, we could probably uh, pick a penalty that wasn't called on every play. Yeah, it's holding every right. play, right? But we, right. Only, we only got the ledger, so that's why I just can't worry <laughs> about <laughs> officiating. You know who looks at all twenty-two players, every single play in every single NFL game. Sam PFF Sam mom. Yes, sir. And we're gonna listen and I'm gonna ask him. Don't you jump in. Don't you jump in either and try to filibuster. You get this. the first question. I'm gonna ask the first question. Is it about the left tackle? No, it's about. <laughs> how, how, it's about no, hold on. They already starting before you start. No, listen, I'm gonna ask him. What does he feel about the slander? That people give him and his organization oh, yeah. about not counting. I'm PFF, not one of those. PFF don't. The grades are trash. Why? Why do we even pay attention to the people? I I'm do. gonna ask him what makes their their eye in the sky better than your eye at, t- at home. That's well, don't blame me. I'm the one who always uses PFF. I like that question because I want to. I'm a double down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, well, well, you said as a player, you did not think it was accurate. It don't, I don't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> Look, you said <laughs> as, as a player, Sam I did not pay attention. Sam will join us here <laughs> any moment. Okay. Uh, I do have a little bit of news to break you not break but according to cleveland.com the guardians have received permission from the giants to interview craig albernaz the catching coach who was recently uh working under gabe kapler in san francisco well, I think I don't know who that is. I think Mike has mispronounced his name. I Albernaz. I would guess. I've never heard of that guy. And Bull ain't heard of him. He might he be was the bullpen and catching coach <laughs> under, under the recently fired manager Gabe okay. Kapler. He's under I, that's the guy they want to talk I, to. I trust Bull. If that, if he, if it, he's he never might heard be a great him. manager. I don't know, but I just saying I never heard of him. <laughs> it, to me, does it just that's, going on face face that, value? Do you think that this is an analytics child or no? It had to be. Gabe Kapler. I mean, Gabe Kapler's an analytics-based man. Big, big. Yeah. And he was Gabe Kapler's bullpen coach. Yeah. And and what? Bullpen and catching coach. And the first guy you talked to was never the guy. This is crazy. How did you get an interview? What is this a favor somebody paying off? I don't know. Craig Albanese. I uh, mean, good, great. Mike could be making up that name for no. him. <laughs> no, here, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it in tag boards. Here's my thing. If Bull doesn't know the name, right. he and ain't the guy. And he's adamant. <laughs> he ain't he's the guy. Adamant. He's adamant. And he's not joking. I've uh, never seen his Wasn't he face. Bull's assistant coach just two years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Historic rise to Over the ranks. Over in the Rocky River League. Rocky River League assistant coach. Hey, 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 hey if we're going to go that far, why not give Bull an interview? Yeah! Let's start a campaign, Bull for manager. Yes! 
Bull. Could you imagine Bull. Bull coming out in uniform to pull Shane Bieber? Are, oh, that'd be are the awesome. Cubs in the playoffs? They'd be playing. This no, is the official tweet, by all the way. So who are all that 50 pitch games from young. I was just saying the other day that I am passionate about four baseball teams. Two that I root for, the Cubs and the Guardians, and two that I despise, the Mets and the Yankees. And it's only this is only the second time <laughs> one, since '93 that none of those four teams are in the playoffs. So I have nobody to root for or against. Who are you rooting for, Jay? Rays. You want the Rays? Yeah. I, 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 I got I, no for some reason, there are shadow teams. I don't have a problem with the Orioles either, even though I don't like their for owner. For some reason, I want uh, the, the Blue Jays to win, and I don't know I don't why. like. I got no problem with the Blue Jays. <laughs> I have no idea why. Well, you want? I mean, they can have the Stanley Cup. We get the. Uh, Major League Baseball World Series trophy. Like, we don't want to. Oh, you don't want it to go into the six? No, I don't want it going north of the border. Six, Why would six, I want I got that? no problem six, with the Blue Jays winning. And we can't be saying that many sixes in a row. <laughs> no. I, yeah, exactly. He's I actually, six, six, six. It's my team. No, 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 no. I actually, by the way. Devil worshiper. <laughs> what is wrong by the way, today? Before I'm the not season, about to do this with y'all. <laughs> before the season, I picked the Blue Jays to win the World Series. He you did. did. He I did. remember now. I did beat, pick them to beat the Mets in the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> you They've been it. golfing since You said since Guardians August. versus Blue Jays, the game before the World Series. No, I like the Rays. I do. Bring them in like for me, Jay. We got bring our next guest, G-Bush. You have the first question. Before we bring in Sam Monson from PFF, I got to remind the good people out there that if you're shopping for Browns gear this fall, make sure you head over to fanatics.com slash UCSS to get all your swaggiest, most comfortable, most stylish Browns gear on the market is the full Fanatics shop but it helps us on the back end. We appreciate any support if you use the code fanatics.com slash UCSS. And now it's time to bring in one of our more anticipated guests in a long time. It mm-hmm. is PFF's lead analyst. It is the one, the only, Sam Monson. Sam, listen, man, shout out to you. <laughs> I, I'm going right in on them. <laughs> Nowadays, everybody, when, when their players and on their teams do well on PFF, they clap it up for them. But let that grade be anything different from what they thought. And they be saying, how does PFF know what's going on? How do they just get to, to, to be the end-all, be-all? Can you explain to us what goes into these grades? And one of the big things, one of the big keys is they say, how do they know what play they're calling? If you don't know what play they're calling, how are they getting these grades out? Floor's yours. Yeah, I mean, that's not a new thing, right? That's That's been the dynamic we've been dealing with since day one. If if people like the PFF grades, if it matches what they want to see, if it says their favorite player is great, it's the best thing out there. It's, it's the source. It's where we want to talk about. And then as soon as it goes the other way and your favorite player is grading badly or something that you didn't want to happen is showing up in the grades, ah, they don't know what they're doing. Like PFF's not in the room. They don't know the play call, all that kind of thing. So, you know, this is not a new development, but... um. I mean, really, the, the idea of the grading is to just quantify the stuff that, that we talk about but don't actually try and put numbers to, right? So going through the tape, play by play, and recording, did a guy do a good job, a bad job, or something in the middle, and, and call it a wash and move on. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's going to be plays where it's impossible to know, you know the exact assignment if you're not in that meeting room and you don't know a specific switch or a specific call – but I think that's a very small percentage of plays. Generally speaking, everybody is running an outside zone play. Everybody is running an inside zone play. You know, there are coverages that look the same uh, team to team to team. And you can generally tell from what, you know, 10 guys are doing what the 11th guy should be doing. So I think overall, simply the exercise and going through and trying to document and quantify all these things is way more valuable than the margin for error that is created by the fact that it can never be perfect if you're outside of that meeting room. 
Sam, I got a question now. Three weeks ago, y'all, I think y'all posted this left tackle for the Steelers, posted this grade, and I just need to know if it was a typo or not. What was it? <laughs> what did he do? It was like 3.4%. Dan Moore's pass block grade against the Browns. BFF against the Browns and Miles Garrett. 3.5. Was that a typo? Wow. Did somebody forget the zero? Because there's That's no way. That's the lowest way. grade ever? There's no way. It's not the lowest grade ever, but Dan Moore's grade, it's funny, like Steelers fans sometimes act like Dan Moore is, you know, the worst left tackle in the NFL. Dan Moore's grade when he's not facing Miles Garrett is like 66 or something like that. So it's average, slightly above average even. And then when he faces Miles Garrett, it's 18 point something for his NFL career. Wow. So this is a guy that gets turned into one of the worst tackles in football <laughs> when he has to go up against Miles Garrett. And when that doesn't happen, he's perfectly serviceable as a left tackle. Sam, How when, many, oh, go, go ahead. Boy. I was going to say, when you look at the tradition, and, and I'm uh, unlike some, some people in the business, I'm a big time pro PFF guy. I, I'm a subscriber. I'm all in with you guys. So, but... When you when you look at um, when you look at a guy who y you watch like my, like Miles Garrett for example, at versus T.J. Watt, uh, the traditional old school statistics, T.J. Watt is better than Miles Garrett across the board, but it, on PFF, Miles Garrett is consistently not that T.J. Watt gets bad grades, but Miles Garrett is consistently rated higher, and but yet a lot of people can't get over the fact that the old-school statistics say T.J. Watt's better. So explain that to the fans, please. Yeah, I mean, we know that old-school statistics are a bad way of measuring things, right? We all know this on a case-by-case -case basis, but when it stacks up in your favor, you tend to forget that. Like, we know that sacks are not a particularly good way of measuring pass rush. It's even an elite player. We're talking 20 plays over 1,000 snaps in a season, right? It, it, the... The kind of margin for error in there is crazy, particularly when you know sacks are not all created equal. Some of them are great plays. Some of them, you know, Michael Strahan broke the record because Brett Favre slid down in front of him and gave him a sack, right? That's, that counts exactly the same as mm -hmm. the best sack you've ever seen in your life where a guy beats, you know, a double team, splits it at the line, gets on top of the quarterback in one and a half seconds and make that play. So we know sacks or interceptions are not necessarily the best stats in the world. And the bigger a sample size you can create, on whatever it is you're trying to measure, pass rush in this case, the better the data is going to be. So we look at every single pass rushing snap and we're grading every single pass rushing snap. And sometimes those are going to generate sacks and force fumbles and those splash plays. And sometimes they're not, um, but they all count. You know, they're all making an impact on the game, even if it's not necessarily getting rewarded by those high impact, high leverage plays. Generally speaking, both those guys are incredible pass rushers, right? TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, either one of them is an all-pro caliber guy. Either one of them is a defensive player of the year caliber guy. Um, but over their careers, TJ Watt has tended to get a few more splash plays, those sacks, force fumbles, interceptions, than Miles Garrett gets. And Miles Garrett has tended to win a little bit more cons consistently and a little bit more um, on average, you know, on a given pass rushing rep, right? And it's where that balance lies. How much credit do you give the guy for making the, the more impact plays versus how much credit do you give the guy for consistently winning more often? And, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a correct answer to that question, but that's the dynamic that you're playing with between those two. Sam, one of the things that we always talk about on the show, because we do PFF segments every week on the show, mm -hmm. And one of the things we always talk about is 
how the hell you guys even get this done? There are, I'm <laughs> guessing, 1,500 plays in an average NFL week. I don't, I don't know. I'm just picking a number at random. And there are, you know, 40 players that are playing uh, a significant amount of time. How many people do you have on your staff? How long does it take to grade one player start to finish, one game? How in the world do you guys get this done? Yeah, it's a lot of people and a lot of, you know, man hours go into this. Um, we as soon as we're able to do the grading um, during games so we don't have to wait until things stop. We don't have to wait. We have a, a hook in with tape supply. We're able to, to get a full access to everything we need during games. So as soon as those performances start, we can start working on our processes and everything is broken down within games to kind of smaller subsets so that one person can go through and do uh, you know pass rushing versus pass protection. One person can do coverage versus receiving. One person can do run blocking versus run defense. Uh, and all these things can be going on concurrently and, and to try and get everything done as quickly as possible. So yeah, there are a lot of people. I think our analysis staff is up to like 70 uh, people, something like that. Wow. Uh, an army of guys, part-time guys doing the kind of more black and white data collection type stuff that enables all of that to work right down in distance uh, spot of the ball, all this kind of thing in order for the, the kind of packet to be there for these, for the analysts to then come in after and actually start putting grades and final numbers to all these things. Sam, I, I, I got a conspiracy theory and I want to see if you're going to uh, <laughs> like throw it. a cherry on top of uh, this thing. Um, we all know how great Nick Chubb was. Um, I have a theory. Uh, the Cleveland Browns offensive line we gave him a lot of credit for a lot of things, but I think that Nick Chubb really covered up some areas where they have some areas of opportunity or are performing as well. I mean, Nick Chubb, you know, his vision, being able to find backside cracks, make the first guy miss, and then make the pile move forward. I think Nick Chubb really is an impact when you take him out of the offense as far as the offensive line in the passing game. What have you guys seen from the difference from the Browns offense with Nick Chubb to the few games that they don't have Nick Chubb. Yeah, like in a, in theory, everybody wants to try and isolate you know each individual player from everything that's going on around him, and to an extent, that's what the grades are, are trying to do. But football is so interdependent; everything has three or four or five confounding factors that go into it. So when you're trying to isolate the play of just Nick Chubb, the running back, you know you can factor in what the offensive line does for him. But I think you start to see when you take him out of the lineup, the impact that he has on the offensive line as well. And you're right. It's going to be significant. It's still a good offensive line. It's still doing a good job. A guy like Dewan Jones coming in, he's been fantastic in terms of pass protection, still has a ways to go in terms of run blocking. So it's not quite the way it was last year. But you see that Nick Chubb can turn a, a good, a well-blocked play by everybody up front. Nick Chubb can make that into something spectacular. And the guys they have at the moment can't necessarily replicate that. So even if the blocking is the same, it has a significant impact on the kind of overall production. And that's true, I think, in pretty much every facet of play, every position you can think of, it isn't just what that player brings to the table, it's the impact, the knock-on effect that he has on the players that surround him or other elements of the game, whether it's offense or defense. Sam, how much of an influence do you think PFF has on whether or not an organization decides to pay a player? 
Um, I think it depends on the player. I think it depends on their representation in terms of what they're bringing to the table to, to argue their case, you know, how they're, they're kind of trying to negotiate. Um, I, I think it's involved in every negotiation, right, on probably both sides of the, the equation. The agents are using it, and here's the data that makes our guy look good. Here's why you should pay him. And then teams are fighting back with, well, here's the, the data that says he isn't good or that we can get the same production from somebody else or whatever. You know, I don't think we're we're sort of actively involved in these things, but I, I think pretty much every negotiation that takes place, there's PFF data um, backing up probably both sides of the argument. Sam, Baker Mayfield, we always still pay attention to him. Uh, last year, he was awful. This year so far, he's been very good. I, I think I had had him. I think you guys have him thirteenth in terms of passing grade. Uh, I think I took out, uh, or maybe I took out Andy Dalton because he only played one game. But uh, so he's you know so thirteen. I mean thirteenth is good. It's not amazing. But what, what, how would you analyze his play so far this year for those who haven't watched yeah. play in and play out? I think Baker's been, this is the best version we've seen since before he was injured in Cleveland, you know, when we thought he was going to take that step forward and be, and really be their answer as a franchise quarterback. Um, his career had kind of fallen apart over the last couple of years. And a lot of what's happened in Tampa Bay so far this season has been the offense and the scheme and the play calling and kind of putting him in a pretty good position to succeed. But he's been taking advantage of that. You know, he's been hitting the open guys. He's been taking the open first read and uh, getting the ball where it needs to go. But the last couple of weeks, I think he's started to add to that as well. He's not just taking what's there and sort of managing the offense. He's actually bringing some plays to the table as well. And I think now we're starting to see Baker adding value on top of what's still a very good offense, uh, a very good scheme and a very good um, play calling setup. And that's kind of giving them, I think, some real impetus to, to move forward and to develop as an offense. I think this is, if you're a Bucks fan, I think it's pretty exciting because I think you're starting to see Baker get back to being the player that we thought he was before everything went off the rails. Sam, let's bring it to our quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he's been a bit of an enigma. It, he certainly hasn't been the guy that we saw in Houston. Uh, but then he had the week, uh, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, where we started to see real growth and progress. And I know the Tennessee Titans secondary wasn't the greatest, but what are you seeing in Deshaun Watson and his career arc? Yeah, it's a, a really tough kind of career to analyze. You know, he, I think, was generally grading a little bit worse than his numbers suggested when he was early in his Houston career. And then the last thing we saw was him putting a season together that looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And then obviously the time out of the game and when he came back for Cleveland last season, just wasn't that guy. You know, whether it was rust, whether it was a new environment, whatever, he, he looked pretty rough last season. I think Jacoby Brissett was a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson last year. Um, and then this year, the, the big question was, well, was it just rust? Are we going to see him get back to being the player he was? And that hasn't happened yet either. But I think you're right. We started to see signs that maybe he's starting to turn that corner and put it together a little bit more. I think we've seen fewer mistakes from him this year than we did a season ago. That's a big step in the right direction. I think he's still... Um, a little bit behind in terms of making those big special plays that we expected him to bring to the table. But overall, I think we are slowly moving in the right direction. 
it's just a case of how long it takes him to cross that gap, to bridge that gap to where he used to be right. and whether he can get back all the way. Sam, our producer, Mike, was uh, asking before the show, we were talking about potential show topics with the Browns on a bye over the next couple of weeks. And one of the questions he asked was, is Grant Delpit the best safety in football this year? And at first reaction, you think, well, that's kind of crazy because he hasn't been anywhere close to that. However, according to you guys, he has been so far the fourth best safety in the NFL behind only Jesse Bates of the Falcons, Javon Holland of the Dolphins, and Andre Sisco of the Jaguars. There's a method to my madness. There you go. So Mike's not as crazy as he sounds, right? Yeah, and, and one thing, when you're four games into a season, the sample size is really small, and sure. in particular for safeties, it's going to be swayed by you know big defensive plays. So Jesse Bates right, had those two interceptions against a uh, rookie um, quarterback in, in the first game. Each one of these guys has got at least one really big play to their name, which is going to help boost that grade. But Delphit has been fantastic in this defense. I think we're seeing what a lot of people at draft time really liked about Delphit. And safety is one of those positions in particular where it's so kind of volatile and fluctuates year to year who the best guys are. And it's so sort of dependent on being in the right place at the right time that I don't think that there is a consistent, this guy is the best player at that position in the league and that's what it's going to be for the next five six years it's going to change year to year and a guy like Delpit like this might be his season say I'm curious when it comes to you talked before about uh like not all sacks being equal well not all interceptions are equal either for both the quarterback and the guy making the interception you know if some if if a ball is tipped up in the air off a wide receiver and it gets intercepted well that's not generally the quarterback's fault in the same vein if I'm a cornerback and the quarter, if I'm a cornerback and the quarterback throws the ball right to me, that's not you know as opposed to I think a couple of weeks ago in the Rams Bengals game there was a Rams player that made an incredible interception against Joe Burrow where he made a diving play to get like are those graded equally uh, differently too? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're those are graded differently because they're very different plays, right? That's yeah. part of the difference between grading um, the process, grading the thing that the player actually did. And the results of that play, you know, if, if we just wanted to assign credit for the results of any given play, you don't need the tape. You can just work from the box score, right? You That's can work true. from the play by play. You don't actually need to dive in and see, well, this was a screenplay, right? Like last night is a good example in a couple of different ways. Uh, Drew Locke throws a simple out route, right? And the, the entire Giants defense stops playing and that slant route or that out route rather turns into a 50 yard touchdown mm-hmm. play, right? Nothing Drew Locke did created that 50-yard touchdown play other than simply deliver the ball into the hands of the guy that was only a few yards away in terms of air yards. It's a routine play, but the result changes dramatically after the fact. So Drew Locke's grade doesn't change because multiple Giants fell off tackles because Noah Fant kept tiptoeing down the sideline and turned it into a 50-yard touchdown. Um, and, And Devin Witherspoon as well gets a pick six, but the pick six was thrown directly to him. Right. So all he had to do is catch the ball and then run the length of the field. Now, he does get a little bit of extra credit for actually making that return, running the length of the field. He had to make a cut to make sure that he wouldn't get chased down from behind. So the pick six, the fact that he scored, the fact that he did execute that return and and get it into the end zone gives him a little bit of a bump in grade. But he doesn't get a boost. Um, You know, it doesn't get graded as an incredible play in coverage from an interception standpoint because it is thrown directly to him. So there's always in our grading, there's nuance between 
you know, when a play was qualitatively very good versus when he just got kind of lucky and the result of the play is very good. You know, Sam, I have to shout my guy, uh, John Costco out. I appreciate him. He's always, uh, he works for PFF and he, he talks about some of the grading. And I was laughing. He was like, yeah, I got uh, Air Force tape to do. I said, you're great. Like, you guys do an extensive college program as well. Like, this, they're, they're great in college plays, too. So, Jeez. that's crazy to have that much bandwidth. Yeah. But uh, this question actually comes from uh, Steve Becker. He says, does the same analyst grade the same players every week or the same teams every week? Or do you kind of mix it up so everybody kind of touches and, and keeps it, uh, I, I guess, uh, copacetic, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's mixed up, number one, because it's broken down into those specific processes, right? So you're not simply grading, um, you know, one side of the ball the whole way or even one um, team the whole way, one unit. You are grading pass rushing versus pass protection or whatever it is. So it, it does get mixed up. And the other thing it does is it helps prevent those kind of accidental biases that could could creep in, not necessarily because a guy is a raging Browns fan or whatever, right, but because – one guy might have a slight tendency to, to lean in a certain direction on these specific plays. But if you're mixing that all up and, and everybody is kind of cross grading various things, you're not skewing any one data set by one guy being slightly off, you know, that straight and narrow path of what the optimal grading is. And that that is a, a potential that's a challenge, right, is how you keep that large number of people all on the same page when it comes to grading these things. Well, one of the ways to offset that is to try and mix it in and to try and cross um, cross grade as much as humanly possible so that all those potential uh, frayed edges or extremes get pulled back together to the center. Sam, last thing, how much are Deshaun Watson and DTR, I guess, combined, based on his game last week, to blame for the sacks that the Browns have given up in comparison to other teams? Are they you know, what end of the scale are they at? Um, yeah, I don't think, I mean, well, the, the scale is being extended this season, uh, aside from anything else. Sam Howell is, is sort of setting new depths of the extreme <laughs> that that can go to. Um, that guy is a walking sack magnet. Uh, Deshaun Watson has always been um, a quarterback that takes a lot of sacks. And by taking a lot of sacks, I mean ones that he is sort of responsible for uh, more than just is involved in an offense that gets sacked a lot. So they've, they've been responsible for a couple of them each. And obviously for DTR, that's a higher percentage or a higher rate than Deshaun Watson because of playing time. But I think they've, they've, been, uh, they've been sacked at times when it hasn't been their fault. So they, sure. they're not you know, at that Sam Howell end of the spectrum where they are making this thing look an awful lot worse than it's been uh, and are taking tons of sacks that, that aren't on the offensive line at all. They're contributing to it a little bit. And as I say, Watson will skew in that direction. Um, but if anything, I think it's more that fuzzy area between the two, right? Where you're not charging them for the pressure necessarily. It's not their fault, but they both hold onto the ball longer than most quarterbacks. They're both going to like make the the blocking job of the offensive line more difficult because they simply have to pass protect for longer. The ball's not coming out in 2.3 seconds every single play. It's coming out in three seconds every single play, more or less. And that, I think, is the biggest area where they're contributing to the sacks. They're just sort of increasing the difficulty rating that these offensive linemen have to work with. Sam, great insight, man. We appreciate you yeah, taking the time. I, I, I could, I've got an hour, another hour's yeah. worth of questions, but I know we don't have the time. Thanks, Sam. Sam, great stuff. Keep up the good work, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on later in the season. 
Anytime. Take it easy, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Very insightful. The yeah. one thing that I think I take from all of that is when we're critical of guys, um, we're probably remembering four or five plays. 100%. They're looking at every That's single it. play. Yes. I mean, it is the best guys. metric we have. Yeah. yeah. Nothing's a perfect. Even he's admitting it's a perfect. <clears throat> sure. But it's it's. The one the thing we didn't get to that I wanted to of his staff of 70. Yeah. What's the average background? Are 40% of these guys former players, former coaches, scouts? I think Collinsworth backing PFF gave them a lot of credibility. Well, I think 100%. Yeah. It gave them the cachet they needed when they were early on. Yes. And now they're up and running. I actually kind of have your answer to that, Jay. Oh, good. So I don't know exactly the percentage, right? but the 70 people he was just referencing right. are the trackers. They actually have a set number of analysts who come in, and once it's all sorted, the analyst goes over and gives out the grades. So I think that 70 tracking staff oh. he talked about okay. were simply the people who, down in distance, what the play is, right. what said player did, and then the analyst goes back afterwards. So it's like watching the condensed version. So not sure, every analyst it. is watching the game Man. 30 I know, times over. I know Bruce Gratkowski obviously played. Some yes, sure. No. Uh, John Costco played uh, at Kansas. Um, Why they don't let me go? Why don't you try it? I was just going to ask I you that. Give me that job. I <laughs> think you could. <laughs> no, I, listen, your knowledge, exactly. your knowledge of defensive so backfield, you'd be told great. Sam I'm available. The top, just, the just, top guy <laughs> there, Steve Palazzolo, was actually a minor league baseball player. Come oh, that's interesting. This is like living color. Listen, bro. In living color. I know you do what you want. I got to get some super chats in, guys. So real quick before we. Wrap up here. Let yeah, me really? read some super yeah. chats. And as I'm always, <laughs> super chats are brought to us by PCC Airfoils. If you live a, looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up. Plus, full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We got a... Thomas, you're always looking for another today. job. Yeah. Stay you got hustle. eight. You got 10 jobs. I'm looking for, I'm looking for the full we got Mike's got to get a super chat. So <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Uh, first full one comes from Evan419. He said, Kevin woke up <laughs> thinking Deshaun was playing, but it's his fault he didn't have DTR ready in three hours. Come on, G, you're better than that. Uh, Vernell Jackson says, would y'all have been happy with Deshaun starting and leaving the game after one series or get sacked and be hurt way worse? Either way, DTR plays. It was bad coaching. I was happy with the decision. I wasn't happy with the way it was – yeah, I don't. I'm handled over to the public. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I mean, look, I don't play. blame. I don't blame Deshaun Watson for not playing. If he says he can't play, then he can't play. None of us criticized Watson. No, for and there is no zero criticism of Deshaun Watson. Baker would have played. What you don't want to be Shut is up. the team <laughs> that that tells a player to go out there when the player says, "I don't." Right, I don't right. think I should be out there. They yeah, did right. that. They and, told A.B. that. And then, I know they did. They told, then, it's been done a lot. It's been and, done a lot in the NFL. And don't let them get Kawhi Leonard. You made me play. I don't like that. Let me, get me out of here. What a tough life simple, Kawhi Leonard has. Simple said Stefanski dropping this after Watson telling teammates all week could divide the locker room. That's my nothing, fear. Uh, could be nothing, but seems like there's something to it. Mm-hmm. No, Stefanski might be gone at the end of the year. That, that, they came down to the – the coach and well, the they can't get rid of the quarterback. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. that's uh, right. Morgan <laughs> K sent us two. Does anybody remember Galindo Lindy Infante? Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. never heard yeah. of him. He took us to the 1987 yeah. AFC Championship. Lindy Infante. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you say Galindo? Yeah, I didn't understand what the part was in front of that. His I'm name was Lindy Infante. He just reading the super chat. I think he came from the Packers chat. to okay. the Browns. Okay, yeah. uh, I don't get that. It says Galindo. 
I don't know. Typo. Two more real quick. Rakisan says, you're wrong, Bull. If you take the two best players off any offense, it's an L all around. Thank you. And then Charles T says, I'm here to help Petty LeBull. The last time a good team <laughs> with a great running back won the Super Bowl was Marshawn Lynch in 2013, and he rushed for 37 yards. Jamal Lewis, best season in 20, uh, 2001. He rushed for 125 yards. Terrell Davis in 97 won MVP. Man, That's it. I wish we would have got to that earlier. I did a lot of research yesterday on this whole notion that you can't be yeah, good. Oh, Jay, Jay was one to you the can't be good what? Uh, running the football. Like the, the, the super, be, be that, a, a that, for, uh, I don't. You can't. I, I don't think it, we'll see a team. We haven't seen a team be a run-first team win a championship. In who a are while. the best two teams this year? And I know it's small sample, but who are the best two teams? Uh, probably there's the, two undefeated. The, the okay. Well, you asked me a question. There's Let me, three. Okay. No, there's two. I, I would say Eagles and, and probably the Eagles San and the Forty Niners. Okay. The two best teams. Right now. Yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles have the number two rush offense. Okay. San Francisco has the number three. Yeah. Okay. First of all, who's number one? I like that. The Eagles is misleading Miami. To, some, to some degree because they have Jalen Hurts. Well, I mean, I, I, if you look at the NFL right now, and I yeah. know I, it's way too early. I want to yeah. revisit these numbers at year's end. Yeah. But right now, the teams that I wrote down that were the best this year, in my view, it's certainly objective, Philly, San Francisco, Dallas, Buffalo, Kansas City, Miami, those teams rank two, three, seven, eight, nine, and one. They're all top 10 rushing teams. Hey, way to go. Okay, well, way, to, way to get your boys back, man. Well, well, <laughs> That's oh, what I'm okay, talking I about, ten year, I have, ten, I have the last decade of data. You got four games No, I actually went back the last decade. Do you want those numbers? Ah! You have to wait till overtime to get them. Excel's team. You're going to be shocked. Woo!